The Daily Tap is live for Monday, February 13th. We will talk about why the Packers need to have some guts when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. We'll also talk about Jim Jackson's comments about Marquette not being the best team in the Big East. We'll talk about why he's wrong, why he might be right, or at least acknowledge that there could be some flaws. We will then preview the Big Bucks weekend, or week, excuse me, with Celtics Bucks uh, tomorrow night as well as Bucks Bulls on Thursday and get you ready for All-Star festivities. We'll preview that. We'll also, at the very end, do a guide for how to manage the Bucks on Valentine's Day, if that's something you need. Uh, if you don't, um, great, more power to you. But I'm here for your friend Charlie is here for you. We are on social, uh, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, we are hanging out on Facebook, same account. Um, like I said, on Friday show, if you missed it, it was late. We are going to transition everything to Tapping the Keg, Wisconsin. I don't know when that's happening. Um, I'm hoping before episode 500 uh, with Tapping the Keg. Um, and we we will have that sort of up and running. It's going to be a process. Um, I know that. I can't flip the switch on everything. I'm going to try. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot that needs to go into that. So I need to start kind of sitting down and thinking through that process. But so far, right now, we're just having the keg sports. And you can also find us on Apple and Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure that you're rating and reviewing. Really appreciate it. Uh, and it means a lot to us. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, as for the show this week, uh, we have Daily Tap today. We'll have Daily Tap uh, for Wednesday as well as Thursday and Friday. So we will have shows all week. Um, and then for Tuesday, so Tuesday's interesting. Uh, we might not have a show. Here's, here's basically how it goes. We might not have a show. Or we might just do like 30 to 40 minutes with Mitch on Buck Celtics. And that'll, it'll either way, right? So either Mitch is gonna join me for what I'm calling a mini keg. Um, and then we're gonna have five shows this week yet again, back to back weeks. Um, or we're going to pivot out of that and not have a show and we'll just, we'll ride in and no Mitch this week. Uh, it's just scheduling got tough, um, but I also know he really wants to give his thoughts on Buck Celtics, trying to give him that opportunity, um, just considering that the game falls on a, shall we say, precarious day, falls on a day that uh, is not one that's for sports. And I understand why the NBA is doing it, I get it. Um, and we'll talk about that later on in the today's show. But yeah, I uh, it, it makes it really difficult on us, uh, especially because this is not my full-time job, which I feel like I have to remind, remind myself and remind remind you know the listeners, everything like that. If it was, be an entirely different story. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers as the story just does not die. So on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, it was a great Super Bowl, which we'll talk about here at the, maybe at the tail end, I, I meant to mention that. I did, wanted to talk a little bit, just give my quick thoughts on the Super Bowl. But, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers was brought up in conversation, of course. Like, you have a lot of time to film. Like, we there with wall-to-wall coverage, 8 a.m. Till, till kickoff. Like, we had to talk about stuff. So, of course, Aaron Rodgers was brought up. Tom Pelissaro, as well as Ian Rapport, brought up that Aaron, that the Packers would explore a trade for Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers did not want to be in Green Bay in 2023. Now, Pelissaro and Rapport, as we've talked about in the past, they are Packers source guys. They are guys that are getting stuff, not from agents, not from executives, on other teams. Like Those guys are pretty tight with Green Bay. 
Schefter and others are more on the agent side of things, more on the other executives. Schefter doesn't really have an in. We've, we've kind of broke this down before, but I think it's really important for context because what Green Bay is doing is basically saying to Aaron, like, hey, if you want out, we'll let you out. But if you want to come back, you can come back. And last week when Murph and I did a show, by the way, we, we did okay on on a, a, what we previewed for the Super Bowl. We, we missed on the under. I'm a mad he talked me out of the over, but that's okay. Um, the, the fact is, is we, I said, hey, Scheinman said that Aaron Rodgers has the Packers by the balls. Do you believe that? And he said no. And it turns out that's not true. Turns out Matt was right. And, and he and it was kind of an interesting comment. It was kind of a throwaway comment, you know, on a local radio program. But he's right. Aaron Rodgers has this organization by the balls. And Green Bay needs to step up and need to have some guts and put their foot down and make, make the decision and be the bad guy. I think so often right now in society, we don't want to be the bad guy because of the, we're afraid of the, the out, outrage and the backlash. And Mark Murphy does not want to be dealing with the backlash. And this is where it falls onto. And this is who needs to have the guts. Because Mark Murphy is retiring in 2025. Mark Murphy can no longer serve as the Green Bay Packers. As his age, he will be too old. Um, there's a rule that the Packers have in terms of their board that if you hit a certain age, you have to retire. Like, it's just a forced retirement. It's actually a really good rule, honestly. Uh, but Mark Murphy does not want to go out as the guy who sent off Aaron Rodgers. And that's what it all boils down to. It is all Mark Murphy here. It is not Brian Gunacus. It's not Russ Ball. It's not Matt LaFleur. It is Mark Murphy. And Mark Murphy's making this call. And Mark Murphy's the one deciding not to put his feet in the sand. So whether he disagreed in 2008 with the Brett Favre thing, which obviously works out for the Packers. They go and they win a Super Bowl. But it was extremely tumultuous. Like, I think people are kind of memory hold that whole Rodgers thing. It's, it's really interesting. Um, I've seen that a few times that people just forget how nasty that was. You know, I was hanging out with what we called the clubhouse with a bunch of Tosa guys and it was really divided. Like we had, I don't know, we had like five, we'd hung out. It was like five dudes together and like half the, half the place like wanted, the, wanted Rodgers, half the place wanted Favre. And it was like a lot of bickering, a lot of back and forth. It's like that July was hell, man. And because we social media was just at the precipice of getting to be where it is today, I don't think we realized that. And I think if if the hot take world and social media was at where we are today in 2008, you, you would think a lot differently about that whole Farther Rogers thing. And it might have changed Green Bay's decision, which would have been catastrophic. I am of the belief, and I've said this to you guys a bunch of times, and I sound like a broken record, but I don't care what Green Bay does. Like, I hate the middleman it. I should have a take, but I really do. If it's Aaron Rodgers coming back, great. I can live with that. I can go for one more ride. I can see if Green Bay can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs just proved that you can win a Super Bowl with a, a quarterback with a, a high contract. They have dispelled that sort of belief. I mean, it, it, he's the first one to do it, but still, they figured it out. They built their team around him without Tyree Kill and still won a Super Bowl. There's a alternate universe where Brady Aaron Rodgers is doing mushrooms right now where Green Bay has won a, won a Super Bowl after getting rid of Devontae Adams. That was on the table for Green Bay. And I think that's what makes me a little more mad today is to hear Patrick Mahomes after, well, it was Andy Reid who said it, but that Patrick Mahomes brought all the young guys to Texas and had them ready for phase two of the offseason. 
And I understand Patrick Mahomes is a younger guy. I understand Patrick Mahomes has maybe he's not exactly like a full veteran, right? He's not stuck in his ways. He's not he's not established just yet. He's still kind of a kid. But that just shows you the type of teammate Patrick Mahomes is. Aaron Rodgers didn't do any of that. Aaron Rodgers showed up and expected that he had he had a guy like Devontae on the on the perimeter, which he didn't. And he wasn't ready for it. And that's what led to a slow starting Packers offense. And then in the second half, all of a sudden, as they get comfortable, lo and behold, they figure it all out. Patrick Mahomes never, never took a breath. They were 16-3. and three. They didn't slow down. They had a couple hiccups, right? They lost to the Colts. Um, they had you know some time where their offense didn't look fully efficient, but they figured it out. And Aaron Rodgers, because, he, because God knows what reason, didn't do that. So that part makes me mad, even though I'm okay with Aaron Rodgers coming back. But as I think, I think what Mike Florio said uh, a while ago, and I don't usually like quoting Florio. You know, this has to be a pretty good quote for me to quote Mike Florio. Florio was like, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, it needs to be an incentive that he's all in on it. They And that's what the Packers made Brett Favre do in 2007. So you could run something similar back. And I, I think I would be a little bit better about the Rodgers thing. If they go with love, I think it's great. I think we have to reset our expectations. I don't think we can think Green Bay's in the Super Bowl next year. But I, I think we can get excited about Jordan Love. And there has to be a balance of patience with also this understanding that Jordan Love's had all this time to be behind Aaron Rodgers. Like, this should be a good year. And the Love 2023 comparison with the Rodgers 2008 really is non-existent because Aaron Rodgers did not have the defense that the Packers should have in 2023. Aaron Rodgers had an awful defense in 2008. This defense in 2023 is not awful. Maybe their coordinator is awful, but they don't have a bad defense. So the sort of excuses for Jordan Love, there won't be many. And if Green Bay then decides to keep Rodgers and trade Love, I think that's the one that I still am okay with. But I, I do I do wonder if that's going to come back to bite you in the long run. And if that's that's the one that burns you the most. I think if you had to tear it out, it's probably just start over with Jordan Love, get reset, figure it out. Then number two is to keep, keep both of them and say, all right, it's one more year for Aaron Rodgers because the cap gets easier. Or it's, you know, cup bait not only – or keep Aaron Rodgers but cup bait with Jordan Love. And I think that's kind of how I would tear it out. But all that said, if Green Bay really does want Aaron Rodgers gone, they need to just say it. They need to just come out and say it. They can't pussyfoot around it. From what I saw from this, plus the stuff in the athletic over the weekend, it seems like Green Bay is trying to make themselves out to be this victim. Like that Aaron Rodgers held them hostage, that Aaron Rodgers knew what he was doing. If he didn't want to be here, he shouldn't have signed the contract and all this other stuff. There was a little bit of that. Then on top of that, it's like, well, if Aaron wants, we'll we'll trade him. Like, okay, what do you want, though? Like, what what is it that you, the Green Bay Packers, want, right? And you should just fucking say it, right? If you want Aaron Rodgers gone, just fucking trade him, all right? Like, I hate to be, like, kind of aggressive about it and, you know, use some, some salty language, if you will. But, like, if you want this guy gone, like, do it then, right? Like, go on and, and just cut bait and start over. But it comes back to Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy does not want his legacy to roll out like this. Mark Murphy is very, very particular of his image. That's why Title Town's a thing. 
he you'll get a lot of credit for that. He'll get a lot of credit for the end zone, you know, renovation that they did and the scoreboard and like. But in Mark's tenure, in Mark's last ten years, there hasn't been a Super Bowl. Mark has one Super Bowl. Bob Harlan had one Super Bowl, right? Bob Harlan credited for reviving the Packers. What's Mark Murphy's credit? That he oversaw, I think he had Favre too. He had Favre and Rodgers and he only won one Super Bowl. That's going to sting. Mark Murphy wants another Super Bowl, I think more than maybe anyone in Green Bay, Wisconsin. More than Aaron Rodgers. Because he is focused on that legacy. And if you could say, all right, I have two Super Bowls, which would be the most for Packer chairman since the 60s, right? Uh, since the Bart Starr era. Like that's something that goes on his sort of headstone, right? When it comes to, you know, talking about great leaders and the title town stuff and all the stuff we mentioned. But if you have one, you're no different than Bob Harlan. You're no different, you know, than, and it's, I think it is more of a disappointment because I think with Harlan, Harlan rebuilt the Packers, which is like, I mean, that's like Theo Epstein, Cubs World Series type shit, right? Like that, that's, a huge accomplishment. That's a bigger accomplishment than Titletown or anything else Mark Murphy did. All right. And Mark Murphy knows that. I, I, I really do believe that. But if Mark Murphy, this kind of can define your legacy too, even if you don't win a Super Bowl. If Mark Murphy steps in and says Aaron Rodgers should be traded, we should move on with Jordan Love, we should start the next generation of Green Bay Packer football. And, and it's successful, right? Jordan Love wins the MVP. Jordan Love maybe gets to a Super Bowl. Like if that's the type of stuff that happens, that is a part of Mark Murphy's legacy. That Mark Murphy set up the next chairman for success. But I don't know. I don't, we don't hear from Mark that often. He talked about having conversations and he said, well, Brian and Rogers have been talking and everything else. So if, they, if they've had conversations and they know what they're going to do, then just do it. The Jets apparently have already asked about Aaron Rodgers. Not surprised. I do think that the Jets are going to come through with a massive offer. I think that the Jets want to win extremely bad. And when you have a desperate football team, and I think Woody Johnson's desperate because he's getting up there in age, and he wants a Super Bowl, and the fact that the Giants had this awesome year, Dable Coach of the Year, kind of have taken the crown again of being the Kings of New York, that I could see the Jets coming through with a massive offer. And they also know that Aaron Rodgers might cost a little bit less than Lamar Jackson. And the Jets can pay it. Woody Johnson has a ton of money. So we'll have to see. Um, it's going to be a very tumultuous offseason. I've used that now word twice in 15 minutes. Uh, but it is. It's just going to be It's going to be hell. Honestly, it's going to suck. All right? Think that... It, it will, we'll see how it changes. We'll see how it evolves. I think it's really important to just stay the course. But if the Packers really do want Aaron Rodgers, want Mark Murphy wants to add another chapter to his legacy, they should just say it. They shouldn't let Aaron Rodgers aside. Yes, he's under contract, but they hold the keys. And I don't think right now they're driving and they need to take over the wheel sooner rather than later. Moving on to the Marquette Golden Eagles. Uh, the Marquette Golden Eagles took care of business this weekend. They beat Georgetown 89 to 75. It really, really wasn't a close game. Uh, Marquette just kind of had it in control the entire game. You know, there were a couple of moments where Georgetown would get on a run, pull it close, and then Marquette would bump it right back. Um, Georgetown's not good, 
But you have to take care of business against bad teams. You don't want to play with their food, right? Um, you can put yourself in a situation where all of a sudden it's extremely close and it's down the stretch and you don't take this team seriously and you find yourself in a very, very close game. Look at our friends to the west in Wisconsin. They had a 17-point lead over Nebraska. They could have closed that door against the Cornhuskers, had a solid road win, even though Nebraska is a you know bad team. They play well at home. And then the Badgers, not only did they blow the game and go to overtime, but then they lost by 10 in overtime. They The balloon completely deflated from them, and they weren't able to get off the mat, and they just stayed there. That's the type of loss that will that will matter in March. And in fact, the Badgers are are hurting Marquette's resume. But yes, the Golden Eagles just, you know, get came in, won that game, and now they go to a showdown with Xavier in the Pfizer Forum on Wednesday night. Pfizer Forum is the place to be this weekend, this week. And but what I want to talk about is not necessarily the game itself against Georgetown. It's Jim Jackson's comments that we're interesting at the very end of UConn and Creighton, which was an okay game. I wouldn't say it was a great game because it was 56-53, not a lot of scoring. I, I guess it was a great game. It was it was it was a defensive struggle, um, but it it was really just you know UConn unfortunately hit a two that was should have been a three and they lost the game. Jim Jackson said Marquette's not the best team in the Big East. He's like, the record, yeah, they right now they are, but I don't know if they are actually the best team in the Big East. And it was an interesting comment. Um, so I kind of wanted to peel it back and say, all right, is Marquette the best team in the Big East? Or are, is someone else actually with that crown? I think the case can be made that Marquette is the best team in the Big East. I realize they have not played a good team in a while. They've played some bad teams. The only good team they played was UConn, and they got blown out. Now, I think, as I've said, as I said on, I think, last Thursday's show, I think any team in college basketball would have lost to UConn that night. I don't think there is not a single team that would have been able to compete with what UConn was doing on the glass, what they were doing from three. They were on another planet. It's an outlier game. We talk, we usually talk about this with the Bucks, but that was an outlier game for UConn. I do not think we are going to see that version of UConn the rest of the season. I, I can almost guarantee it, Okay. So that said, like, I think you can't hold that against Marquette. And the fact that now Marquette is at the top because Xavier lost to Butler. If Marquette beats Xavier, then they stay on the top. Then they are two games up on the, on the Musketeers. It's likely that they will probably fight for Creighton for the top spot. And Creighton's really good. Creighton's playing really good basketball. But it's hard for me to look at it, even though I'm biased because I'm a Marquette fan, and not think Marquette's the best team in the Big East. They are playing very good basketball. They, I think defensively, they had some lapses a little bit in Georgetown, but you're starting to kind of see this defense pick up. Deflections, kills, what they're all into. Like you're starting to see a little bit more of that. They are they are starting to really sort of meld their rotation. The benches, I think, really coming along. I think if you're not watching Marquette every day, which Jim Jackson probably isn't, right? He's doing Big Ten games. He's doing Big East games. He doesn't have time to, you know, be grinding tape on the Big East all the time. But if you watch them closely, like Chase Ross is going to be really good. Like I have all sorts of Chase Ross stock. Like it's like early Apple with Chase Ross, honestly. I think he's going to be that fucking good. I really do believe that. And you can just see every game, it gets a little bit better for him. Ben Gould is starting to really come into his own, right? 
Josh Giddy, there was an article by Ben Steele over the weekend about Josh Giddy, Oklahoma City Thunder player, who talked about how good, like, the untapped potential that Ben Gold has. He's a young guy. He's a freshman, right? And you're starting to see him a little more comfortable. David Joplin's had many moments off the bench, right? Sean Jones, after his wrist injury, has looked almost better, right? It's almost like he had a couple of games on the bench and kind of learned some different things, and it's been a better experience for Sean Jones. Marquette can go nine deep right now. Creighton can't say that, right? Creighton has their guys. If Colburner goes down again, they are fucked. If Malula goes down, they are fucked. Creighton has five guys. Schneiderman, another guy. Like, Creighton does not have the depth that Marquette does. Providence doesn't really have the depth that Marquette does. They lost on the road to St. John's. Like, even though St. John's, you know, was kind of fighting for their coach because Mike Anderson's on a hot seat, like, that's a game you can't really lose. Like, if you're at the top of the table, like, that's not a game that really you lose. And Providence has been so good at home, but their their road warts are starting to show. They are now 1-4 on the on the road in Big East play. Actually, no, I'll take it back. They are they won some road games. They're 1-4 in their last... In their last five road games, and it's all coincidentally against good teams. Creighton, Marquette, Xavier. St. John's is their first, like, bad Big East loss on the road. Uh, and But, yeah, it's it, – and they don't they don't go that deep, right? They have they have their five guys, six guys, and then that's that's kind of their it's kind of their roster. It's kind of their squad. They do not play – they do not play a deep bench either. So I think when it goes back to overall, like, talent and what Marquette has – they are the deepest team, and I think that equates to they are also the best team in the Big East because they are the team that I look at and say, it's either them or UConn. I I can make a case for Creighton to go to go far, but again, it's a small roster. If they have a very intense game, right? If they play a Thursday night game and then they have to go Friday night and play again, or I'm sorry, Saturday night uh, if you're doing the NCAA tournament, that might be that might be too much to ask. Like at some point, that depth is going to come back to bite you. Or if Creighton makes a run in the Big East tournament, like what's to say they don't run out of gas, right? So I I just look at it. I boil it down to I think Marquette is pretty good. I do. I can acknowledge that Creighton is coming on strong, but I, I also I also think it's beneficial that they've not really like. I really want to watch them against Providence Tuesday night. I probably won't get that luxury because it's Valentine's Day. But, like, that's their first hard road game since Kalbrenner has been back. Like, if you look at their schedule, it is lined up well for them with Kalbrenner being, you know, back. They had Providence at home. Then they played Butler. They played St. John's. They played Xavier at home. Then they had Georgetown. Then Villanova. Uh, then Seton Hall, who's a little under overrated um, in terms of the metrics. Then you have Connecticut at home. And that was a close game. And that, that game could have went to UConn, right? And now you have to go on the road to Providence. You have to, you have Marquette at home. Like they their harder part of their schedule was when you know they didn't have they didn't have their big guy. They had their road game against Xavier and UConn already, right? Those those games are out the door. They have one probably one tough home road game left and that is Providence. I'd say that Villanova game in a couple of Saturdays is at least at least a challenge because Villanova might be on the bubble, might find themselves, you know, in that conversation and trying to get in the tournament if they can come on strong. You know, and so maybe that's it, but Creighton's kind of been beneficial by their schedule and I think it's a little bit of Jim Jackson in the moment 
that stadium is an extremely tough place to play um, in Omaha. It's not easy. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge for Marquette when they go there next Tuesday night. But I, I think it's really hard for me to say, all right, Marquette isn't the best when if Marquette beats Xavier, they're going to be two games up. Creighton is going to Providence. It's an extremely tough place to play. Providence is is weirdly tougher. Like if you had to rank toughest places to play in the Big East right now is Providence, Creighton, and then I'd probably put Marquette right there next. So it, that's going to be Xavier also really up there. Like those are all tough places to play. So if Creighton does lose that game tomorrow night, then all of a sudden Marquette is two up on Creighton. So then they kind of have house money heading into Creighton if they beat Xavier. If they that's a key qualifier. If they beat Xavier, they will have house money heading into Creighton, which would be great. Which I, I think is a like perfect perfect case scenario for Marquette because the pressure really isn't there. And even if they lose, like even if they lose to Xavier, and then it's they have four losses. And if Creighton loses to Pro, like, I think Creighton will lose to Providence. Okay, I, I do. I, I think you know. But anyways. I am assuming that. And if Creighton doesn't, then yeah, it becomes a little more difficult. But I, I do think that Marquette is still, I would have them at the top. I, I understand that Creighton's coming on strong, but I, I do think there's some context needed with Creighton's hot streak because it's it's being done against mostly bad teams. And I think that's that, that's at least worth mentioning. Like you can't not mention that. They, they've had one, two, three, four, or they've had three wins against top 25 Ken Palm teams, and they were all at home. That's another worthy context. So just, just worth keeping in mind when everyone's gassing up the Blue Jays and maybe not talking enough about Marquette. And that's okay. And, and, and I should also add, like, I'm okay with this. Like, Marquette, I think you'd rather be under, like, under the radar than sort of front and center. And I think because of yeah, everyone just gets excited about the hot new thing and that's what Creighton is right now. And Marquette's been consistent and sometimes consistency bothers people. Consistency is boring. That's that's the whole like point about Chris Middleton as we're gonna talk about the Bucks here in a second. Like everyone like looks at Chris Middleton's like, no way are you a top 25 player. And it's like, no, he is like, he just, he's not sexy. And consistency is not sexy. And yet that's what Marquette is doing. And that's what they hope to continue to do this week in their showdown with the Musketeers. Speaking of Middleton and the Milwaukee Bucks, they have quite the week. Uh, they're playing against the Boston Celtics uh, it, on Valentine's Day. It is a massive matchup between the Bucks and the Celtics. It means a ton. Uh, like I said, Michigan might do a, a more of a deeper dive on just what it all means, you know, short-term and long-term. Uh, but I, I at least will say from the open, the Celtics are playing really good basketball right now. Uh, so are the Bucks. It is a collision course. I think they are the two best teams right now in the NBA as it stands today. So February 13th. That could change by the end of the year. But it does seem like we are setting ourselves up for yet again another prelude to the finals with a team like Boston who's very good. And they're shooting again. Their, their three-point shot is starting to fall again, which is annoying. Right, they when they dipped, it was because their got their role players weren't making shots. Well, guess what? Their role players are making shots. 
Um, they will not have Jalen Brown, but it did not matter against the Grizzlies. Uh, they they handled it. They played really well against Memphis on set on Sunday. It's kind of nice, maybe for the Bucks, they got a little bit of a self scout, if you will, uh, from what the Celtics Celtics were about because the Bucks had off, and you know I would assume they they had some time to you know check out and see what what was going on with that Boston team. But yeah, they got the job done. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a better game than what we saw on Christmas. I don't expect a blowout. I hope there's not a blowout. Honestly, like I want I want this to be a good game. But yeah, the Celtics were 21 of 51 from three last night. Like that that's absurd. Rob Williams also 16 rebounds. They had 10 points. They got 32 points off their bench. Like that's, or no, 34, who could that, but three guys in double figures, uh, Grant Williams, Mike Muscala, and Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Sam Hauser had six threes, um, former Marquette guy. Like, yeah, I I look at this and I'm just like, all right, like this is going to be a, is going to be an uphill battle. Derek White's playing really well right now too. Um, and that's, I think the Bucks can mitigate that. Like if you look matchup wise, you have Middleton. I don't think you're going to get Jay Crowder. So Probably less Grayson Allen. I'll be really curious to see if Bud starts Grayson Allen. I think that's that's maybe one of the things to look at if you're you're thinking through what might what might the Bucks do differently. Would they give Wes Matthews a starting starting lineup spot and have Grayson come off the bench and start Wes and Pat? Because I don't I don't know if you can start Grayson Allen. I understand that Mike Boonholz is probably gonna treat this like a normal regular season game and that we the fans are gonna get way too fired up for this. But I do think there is there is something too like I I want the Bucks to, to win this game and 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 that if you win this game you still have a shot at having the tiebreaker over Boston at the end and it's you know it's really close right now and I think that should matter and the Bucks kind of shoot off a tiebreaker last year and that led to Game Seven in Boston do you really want that again and that's that's something that I think is should at least matter in Bud's head. I don't know if it does. But I would definitely not start Grayson Allen. I don't know how much I would play Grayson Allen. I think I'd play Grayson Allen less than 10 minutes in this game. Now, how do you manage the fact that you don't have you don't have like your guys? So you don't have Bobby Portis. Jay Crowder isn't there. You have two empty roster spots. I, I don't think Jay Crowder is going to be right. I think they're going to wait till after the All-Star break. But it would be a very interesting subplot if they were like, yeah, because we had a couple days off. Jay Crowder looks good. We're going to put him out there, at least for a couple minutes. That would be awesome if we got that. I, I'm not going to expect that. I'm not going to hope for that. And I'm just going to kind of assume it's not going to happen. I'm going to not even let myself you know, think that. Because I, I, I don't know if that's the right time to bring Jay Crowder in. Unfortunately for the Bucs, they have you know a lot of tough games here coming up where there aren't really that many moments to bring Jay Crowder into the mix. But yes, it, it's a very important game. Uh, it is a spotlight game. All eyes will be on Giannis Antetokounmpo versus Jason Tatum. Uh, Tatum has done well against the Bucs in the past. And a lot of that is due to the fact they didn't have Chris Middleton. And we'll see also if Middleton goes back to starting rotation. That's another thing. Like, Instead of Wes Matthews playing, like, could you have Middleton back in the starting rotation? He played 25 minutes in the game against the Clippers. You know, is will Middleton be ready to play 30? Who knows? Um, I, I'm just very curious to see what happens in this one because I, I think that 
we didn't learn a lot from that Christmas game because the Bucks were on just a road trip from hell. And I think they were just completely gassed by the time they played. And this is a very fresh Bucks team. Now we won't see him with Jalen Brown. That's unfortunate. I think I, I can speak for most Bucks fans that we want to see everybody healthy so we can really, you know, size on size. But I guess Jalen, no Bobby. So you, you at least have a little bit there where it's not, not the same, but a very fresh Chris Middleton, a should be fresh Giannis. I would also say to Bucks fans, I won't be online during the game much. Like, don't freak out if the Bucks get down early. I think that's a that that's probably going to happen just because Milwaukee hasn't played since Friday. They usually struggle in those long layoffs, and then they they kind of wake up in the second and third quarter. I would say that that's probably going to happen in this one. Um, and just hopefully the Celtics don't shoot you out of the game. Um, and I think. I'd have to look and see what they are on the road, but I would have to imagine that the three point three pointers don't fall as well uh, outside of TD Garden. Those rims, those rims are nice for them, but who knows? Maybe the five serve rooms will be a little bit different. But I, I am fired up for the matchup. I think it's going to be a great one at the five serve forum on Tuesday night. They also have a game on the, against the Bulls on Thursday, and I would I would say like it it'd be a you know, not a bad spot to rest Giannis, knowing that he has the all-star break, all-star game on Sunday. So he has to play, same with Drew Holiday. And there could be a case made for that. But I, I A, it's a primetime game. It's on, or it's on a national televised spot. It's another TNT game for Milwaukee on, on Thursday. So number one is I want Giannis to play in those games because I think he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. And he hasn't been. And I... I do wonder if they if he has an awesome game against Boston, he has an awesome game against Chicago, is the headline heading into All-Star break like the Bucs are the best team in basketball? Because they'd have 12 straight wins at that point. Uh, if they would win, not only would the honest be awesome, but they also win. Like they'd have 12 straight wins. It's on the it's on the back of Giannis. Would they would they then, you know, the MVP conversation starts to creep in and say, we really needed to start taking Giannis seriously for the MVP. Does that start happening? I don't know. Um, I will say that I, I do think uh, the the Bucks owe the Bulls. Like the Bucks have lost two straight games to the Bulls. Um, I I can't remember. I'd have to look. It's been a long time since the Bulls have won three straight games against the Bucks. And not that that really matters. It's not really a rivalry. It's the only rivalry is really Grayson Allen versus Bulls fans. That's like the true hard and fast rivalry. But the Bulls have not won three straight against the Bucks since the end of 2017, or the end of the 2006-2017 season, and then into the 2017-2018 season. The Bulls won. That's the last time the Bulls have won three straight games against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's time for the Bucks to kind of you know exert their will a little bit and say, "All right, it's not fucking around here. We are we are gonna you know show who we're, we're all about." That was an awful loss the last time they played the Bulls. And I, I just want to win, right? And I know the TNT Bulls, I know that's a thing, right? They, they do well at home on TNT on Thursday nights. But I hope that that does not matter and that the Bucs come out victorious. Because like I said, it's uh, it's, it's time. It's time. The Bucs, the Bucs owe, owe Chicago. So as for uh, Valentine's Day advice. So not only do the Bucs... And Bulls play, or Bucks and Celtics, excuse me, play each other on on Valentine's Day. You also have uh, Michigan, Wisconsin on Valentine's Day for those Badger fans. 
My advice to everybody. So if you have a significant other, man or woman, who, you know, maybe less of a sports fan, um, it's a time to spend with your significant other, okay? It just is. If you, especially if you're early in the relationship. I would say, I, I have a couple advice for everyone. Uh, number one is if you really do want to watch this game, if you are more of a Bucks diehard than you are any other sport, I think your significant other will understand. I really do. Now, if maybe you like everything, like your boy, it's hard sometimes to square up like what are big games and what aren't big games, especially when it comes to the Bucks and the Brewers. Packers, like every game is big. Every game is big. And so it's it's taken that way. But when it comes to the Bucks and Brewers, it's hard to delineate from big games and non-big games. So I, I think that that's where, if you wanted to get ahead of it and say something, you can. Um, me personally, I I will kind of be paying attention. On, I won't be that active on social. I might keep, I might check the score a couple times, but I I look at it and I'm like, I'll probably watch it after, after my wife goes to bed. And I'll just, you know, watch, kind of fast forward, zoom through it and and get an idea of what, what happened in this game before I get, get on the mic and talk through it. Um, and so, and if that's the case, that's the case, right? That's, and that's okay. Like I, I can live with that and be all right with that. Um, I also think if you're going to go out, if you're out to dinner, um, on Valentine's day, which is very popular, a traffic's going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too. Like traffic's going to be awful on Valentine's day because not only do we have people going down in Milwaukee to eat, maybe to see a show, um, you also have people going to the Bucks game and the game's at 6.30. So keep that in mind if you're you know, going to you know, one of the hot spots in Milwaukee. Um, and also too, like if you have dinner and it's a nice dinner, like, yeah, go, go have a drink afterwards and say, hey, can we go to Sports Bar and watch the end of the Bucks game? I think, I think that's perfectly okay to say. I really do. The only reason why you might not want to do that is because you want to beat traffic. And that's, the other, that's another thing. Like, if you're heading home from the burbs, nine o'clock and after is going to be messy. So I, I think keep that in mind too, right? It's it's going to be it's going to be an active day in the in the city. But yeah, my advice is don't overdo it. It's a day to spend with your significant other. If they're not sports fans, and if they are, and that they want to watch the Bucks game just as much as you do, that's fucking awesome. That's cool. That's that's really cool. And I think. I'm in a situation where my wife watches a lot of sports. I put her through a lot of sporting events. So I'm, I'm very cognizant of like, take a step back, know, know, kind of know when and know, know how. And I've, I, I think that I'm, I'm in a better spot with it than I was maybe even three or four years ago. I think I've gotten a lot smarter about it and a lot, I'm not even smarter, but just not selfish, right? And you don't want to be selfish. And today about your love, not necessarily your love for your sports teams. And for the single dudes and gals out there who are, are sports fans, I'm happy for y'all. Like, that's awesome that, you know, on a day where it probably is a little tougher, right? Um, it's not it's not maybe a easy day. You guys get blessed with uh, awesome Bucks game. You get to watch that. And that's sort of, and I, I hope you guys treat yourself. Like, I hope... I hope you're, you know, having a nice fucking meal and a few beers or bottle of wine, whatever it may be. Like, I hope, I hope you're really making the most of it on your date with the Milwaukee Bucks because I think that, I think that's also, you know, that's awesome and that's, you know, makes makes life easier. So, have a good one. Uh, like I said, weird scheduling uh, just because of just a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, so maybe Mitch and I tomorrow for like 30 minutes. If not, we won't have a podcast. 
We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll react to Bucks Celtics. Uh, we'll also get ready for Marquette Xavier. And who knows if any more Roger stuff leaks out this week. And God knows it never stops. I realize I never gave a thought on the Super Bowl. I'll say it was an awesome game. I think we will think less about the ref thing as it goes on. Like, I think we'll forget about that. I think the fact that James Bradbury came out and said it was a hold, I think that was interesting. Um, if you really want to get conspiracy theory with, did the NFL ask him to say that, right? But they're like, hey, tell everyone that was a hold. Like, do not lie to anyone and say that wasn't a hold. Um, but I appreciate Bradbury kind of saying that because it was an awesome game. And I think if he's saying it was a hold, I understand people saying don't want to call that. But at the end of the day, it's never, it's never just the refs' fault. The refs did not lose that game for the Philadelphia Eagles. I, as I kind of think about it, I was like, wow, it sucks that moment was kind of killed. But like at the end of the day, like the Eagles were up 10 points in the, going into halftime. The Eagles have had issues all year holding leads and letting teams kind of creep back in. Not holding leads, but having awesome first halves and then the second half goes to shit for them. And it doesn't, it doesn't work out well. And that's exactly what happened. And the fact that the Eagles gave up a 65-yard punt return to Kadarius Tony, that was really the game right there. The Eagles were punting to Tony. It's 28-27. The you know, Chiefs were going to be in good field position if you just stopped Tony right in his tracks. I think he was at the 40. It was a bad punt, too. I remember that punter had just came off the IR. It was a bad punt. Punt was like at the 45 of Kansas City, and Tony takes it back. Oh, nearly all the way. If you stop Kadarius Tony there dead in his tracks, a you know who knows, right? I know the Chiefs were cooking, but what if they get a field goal? And what if it's thirty-one twenty-seven, and then Jalen Hurts is an opportunity to take it down the field and win the game? And the Eagles would have got the ball back one more time. And well, they did get the ball back, and maybe the Chiefs then have to respond, and then they have to either tie it or they have to win it with a touchdown. But it's it's just really interesting that you know Sirianni and and also too like everyone hyped up the pass rush pass rush pass rush and it was non-existent for as good as the Eagles have been all year in terms of rushing the passer they were not in the biggest game and that goes back to the things that I feared about Philadelphia where I said like yeah last Monday I was like I think that you know, this Philly team is about a little inflated by the teams they've played. And sure enough, it kind of showed up in the second half. Chiefs, I, I know Mahomes won MVP and he deserves it for doing what he did on his ankle, even though he didn't even get to 200 yards. But I do think in a lot of ways, like Andy Reid won that Super Bowl. And the adjustments they made in the second half were masterclass. And now we have two Super Bowls for Mahomes in his first five years. It's the path that probably should have been for Aaron Rodgers, but it isn't. And we could talk about that on another time. So that's a bummer, uh, you know, if you think about it from a Packer perspective. But, yes, Chiefs are Super Bowl champs. Uh, goes back to the AFC. I think for that first game of the year, which I love nerding out over, a lot of choices for Kansas City. You could you have a plethora. Not only do you have your, your division teams like the Chargers, the Broncos, maybe the Raiders if Rodgers comes there. You also have the Bills in, in Arrowhead. You have the Bengals in Arrowhead. You have the Eagles in Arrowhead. It'd be interesting to see what the uh, schedule makers decide to run back for the first game of the year. I already am getting excited for football in September. 
All right. Like I said, that does the podcast. I was I didn't want to just give a few minutes. Um, I was like heading out. And I'm like, oh, I realized I hadn't talked about Super Bowl. So yes, maybe a show on um, t- tomorrow. If not, we'll see you Wednesday. Uh, take care. Best of luck navigating Valentine's Day. If you have any stories or anything you want to share, I would, I would love that. Uh, hit me up on Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. If you have any anecdotes to share uh, from trying to manage a major Bucks game on that day. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Have a good Monday. Start off well. Hopefully you're not too hungover from the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you later. See you. Bye.